Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 48. Hey, what's up? Hot. Here's our take. (laughs) And as we mentioned last week, oh, we have something so special for you guys this week. We're so excited. We are actually collaborating with my new obsession, the Cult Popcast out of California. So say hello to Stephen and Gabe. Hello. Hi, Stephen and Gabe. (laughs) Dad jokes already. I love it. (laughs) This is great. Anyway, so I found them because of my other obsession, which is Dune. Yes. And yes. On Instagram, yep. and they talked about, so I immediately was there, immediately listened to nine, <laughs> episode 99, which I loved because they gave Frank Hubert some... Yeah, ad, yeah, yeah. Some, mm-hmm. And then I immediately listened to 99. So that's how I found you guys, because uh, of Dune. Man, yep. Awesome. Thank you. So good. Yeah, we're glad, we're glad to have you guys on the show. And we got a great movie to talk about. And then we got one from the past I think we're going to yeah, talk about. Yeah, we got about. a neat rewind too. So and, glad uh, y'all could join us. Yeah. Thanks for having us. I just want to say that as soon as you followed me, I immediately, you know, Instagram stalked your guys' stuff and listened to your <laughs> Dune episode. And everything you guys were saying really resonated with me. I was like, oh my gosh, I think we have what the Eternals call the Unimind. And... <laughs> I uh, I oh, couldn't God. agree more, and I loved both of your unique voices and perspective. And so I I'm just we're, I'm stoked to be here right now. And I know Gabe is as well. He's, I I as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just here for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's so because I mean it's so funny because we we've been having these conversations mm-hmm. just by each other for like I mean because we've been going to see movies almost every week with each other for as long as I can remember. And always in our theater that we go to is like a 30 minute drive. And so every time we'd come back, I mean, it was like we were having our own podcast that no one was listening to, but just (laughs) us. And it was just so, you know, then finally one day she had a great idea. She's like, we like the people need to know what we're talking about. (laughs) And so and I mean, I was like, sure, because I mean, we just go and we we each own have our own unique perspective on things Mm because, I mean, we are from two different generations, but but we we also, as everybody keeps pointing out, we agree on a lot of movies and yeah. stuff yeah, too. Yeah. So we Gabe and I started the same way. It was the exact same thing. We, yeah. Stephen and I are from different generations. That's that's, that's basically true. Oh, the cat's out of the true. bag. Oh, uh, we met in film school. I immediately I was like, oh, that's I like this guy. I want to be friends with him. And then he ghosted me for about six years. <laughs> This is true. This is a true story. And then I walked into a Chinese restaurant and there's Gabe working the counter. I was like, what are you doing here? You have an amazing mind. And I was like, you need to come work at the place that I work, which I'll leave unnamed. But it's Disney. (laughs) Just kidding. But so I got him, uh, you know, a job here at at, uh, the company that we work for. And then it just kind of went from there. The rest is history. And then we started a podcast <laughs> because we felt the same. We were always having yeah. what we thought to be stimulating conversation and it was just filling this room that we're in now. So we thought might as well put it on a microphone and distribute it online for free. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. It's awesome. awesome. It's so nice to be able to do stuff like that too. So yeah. there's our origin stories. Yeah. 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 Which is individual superheroes. It's wonderful. Wonderful times. All right. Well, let's just get right into it then. Sure. Because, I mean, we got got Ghostbusters to talk about. 
the the old one and the new one and everything in between. Ugh. Oh man. Okay, Afterlife. so let me just yes. start real quick because since I'm the other generation, <laughs> I'm gonna start this because I distinctly rem actually when 1984, I was a young little girl who was old enough to date a boy that could drive. And he was obsessed with Ghostbusters. We even had a huge party out in a field. He spray painted that Ghostbusters symbol on their old cars in this field. And we had a huge party out there. It was crazy. So I saw it in the theater three or four times with this guy because he was obsessed <laughs> with him. Yeah, it was crazy. But anyway, it came out summer of 84, and I just, if you don't mind, I would like to share some of the other awesome movies that came out that year. Oh, please. Romancing the Stone, 16 Candles, The Last Starfighter, Footloose, the original, Red Dawn, Karate Kid, Beverly Hills Cop, Starman, and two of my favorites that year, The Natural with Robert Redford, mm-hmm, and Amadeus, still mm -hmm. one of my favorites. I've seen all of those. Yay, I'm so glad. There's one more on there. Aren't they amazing? Missing. Did I miss one? Uh, this is Spinal Tap also oh, came no. out in 1984. What? <laughs> I still have seen all those. Those are all amazing movies. Yes. Amazing Some movies. say it's the best cinematic year no. in history. Oh, really? 1984. In mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. That is what I've heard from a lot of different people. Okay. Well, wow. great movies there. Good rewinds. Mm -hmm. We're going to rewind another one later, by the way. Okay, so Ghostbusters was PG. It was an hour and 45 minutes. Director was Ivan Reitman, who also directed Kindergarten Cop, Twins, both with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Stripes. Um, and he is still around, but he is mostly producing now. Yeah. Okay. The budget was $30 million, but it made, worldwide, it made $300 million. Isn't that amazing mm -hmm. for 1984? Yes. Wow. Uh, so it was Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis. Uh, Dan and Harold wrote the script with Rick Moranis, who was also in the movie. Yep. And just a little trivia, Ghostbusters was the highest grossing movie of all time until Home Alone came out in 1990. That's so crazy. Isn't that, yeah. I amazing. love Home Alone. You said but... for, was it comedy, you said? Highest grossing yes, comedy. For comedy, yeah. comedy. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah. That's super cool. Yep. And I guess originally John Belushi was supposed to play the part of Peter Vickman, <laughs> but as Dan Aykroyd was writing the script, he unfortunately passed away. So it was mm. given to Bill. Mm. So oh, I didn't know he passed away that long ago. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was amazing. Wow. That is huh? a long time ago. Yeah. 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 And I, needless to say, as you know, Bill Murray ad libbed most of his yeah, life. I don't think there's anybody else that could have no played surprise, it. So. Other than Bill. Yeah. There's a lot to say about Bill Murray and his comedic timing. Yes. <laughs> amazing. It's legendary, that's for sure. Okay, so then I was so excited wasn't excited about the girls' version in sixteen. Actually I didn't even go see it. But Same. when they Same. started doing yeah. when they started advertising this afterlife and with that director and writer i was just so excited to see this the yes. ghostbusters afterlife 
And I think the new one uh, doesn't really acknowledge the 2016 version very much at, at all. It's, it's kind no, of, no. I, I I would hope that that 2016 version is not canon. At oh, all. the girl one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my I gosh. would hope yeah. so. It's in its own cinematic universe. I think <laughs> it's a separate. Okay. Yes. That's yeah. Time. Yes. yeah. I'm glad we can establish that yes, different movies you. have different universes. Yes. That's nice. So 100% in this day and age with all the reboots that come out, we have to because yeah, yeah. One yeah, day there'll, there'll be a Spider-Man No Way Home of Ghostbusters universes, and then <laughs> a multiverse. Yeah. Oh, that that'll be the day. <laughs> Could you imagine? Ugh, I can't. Be you said Chris Hemsworth is ghosts back together. Oh, incredible man. This this movie. I went to go see it uh, yesterday with my fiance and it was just I, I was laughing the entire time same i loved that little girl's jokes i don't i probably was the only one in the theater that laughed but her jokes were so funny i don't know why and the little kid the little podcast, podcast. kid yeah. he was the best character of the whole movie no. my favorite character Super i great. loved him he was fantastic mm. paul rudd was great but yeah, I just it, it it did a great job of balancing the uh, nostalgia of the first one with like bringing a new, you know, century into it. You know, yeah. like all new characters because like really it was almost the same story as the 1984 sort one, of, yeah. sort of. But like it yeah. felt like you were it was just it was so well done the continuation. Yeah, and it was like it made it clear this that was thirty years ago. Like mm-hmm. this is now, and mm-hmm. and I just loved how they just continued the storyline. You know, yeah. it was a third one that was filmed thirty years from now, and it's just that was so great. Yeah, I loved every it second. It was a of beautiful. It. Blend. I loved every second of it. Yeah, I did too. It was fantastic. Yeah, some people have been calling it the third movie in a trilogy ending from the original two movies yeah yeah and i think that really does work especially when you look at you know the whole plot and stuff yeah i think i i because i they did a great job of like bringing back the same bad guy but almost in like a new way to where it felt fresh (laughs) but like it was the same bad guy that they faced in the first one yeah Mm -hmm. but it was in a different way that felt like new and it wasn't like watching the same thing over and over again you know it wasn't like watching that new star uh the force awakens which was the same (laughs) plot as a new hope you know just rebranded with new characters so but i think that's a different discussion for another time (laughs) it is a it's a a large discussion one we've had many (laughs) many times yeah yeah. Yeah, Yeah. don't get me started uh honestly i would love to get you started but i totally understand for the need to move on we should probably move on do you want to talk about Facts for Ghostbusters Afterlife? Uh, sure. Yeah. Just go over it go briefly. Ahead. Let's do it. Well, this film, I'm not sure when it started development, but I think it was supposed to come out much earlier. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Uh, due to the pandemic, it was delayed and pushed back. Mm-hmm. But it is a PG-13 movie that clocks in at two hours and 40 minutes. Four minutes. And four minutes. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> two two hours and four minutes. Well, that's it's interesting because, yeah, I thought myself that it was it was paced very well. And it used its yes. time very wisely. It was written and directed yes. by uh, Jason Reitman, who was the son of the father who was the director of the original film. Ivan Reitman, as, as they previously mm-hmm. said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is incredible that uh, I don't think we see that a lot, where no. like a son or daughter can yeah. take on the mantle from 40 years ago. I think it's amazing that it speaks to potentially why this movie was so good, because I mean, imagine him maybe having, maybe he was there on set when they were filming the original or something. Well, oh, the yeah. dad, Ivan, was able to, producer. 
Yeah, and being able to pull this feeling and this this tone and this magic mm-hmm. back into this movie like 30 plus years later. Oh, yeah. Uh, the the perspective on something like that is just unmatched. And yeah. I think it's just, yeah, because you could just turn to his dad and be like, hey, how would you write this scene yeah. back yes. in the 80s or whatever? So and exactly. it, it, you could feel that in the movie, too. Yes, yes. Yeah, he treated it with a lot of respect. And there was, yeah. you know, more than enough homage to the original film. But he also made it, a good movie in its own right, which is always rewarding to see where you don't yeah. lose yourself yeah. and just trying to retread old ground. Yeah, I think, I mean, you put it best and I and I would have to agree, honestly. I don't think I've ever seen in the age of remakes of rehashing old movies from maybe from the 80s or even older, Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, whatever else has come up. I've never seen a remake that has been this good. It might be the best one I've ever seen because wow. like like Gabe just said, it it is not just... Uh, recapturing the quality of the original, but it is also a good movie in its own right. And I think to be able to do that and to grip an audience so well, even maybe a generation of people who aren't even familiar with this intellectual property, it's pretty astounding. Yeah, I agree. A a lot of those remakes or reboots are they're kind of riding on the coattails of what their previous movies have done Mm -hmm. in terms of like, we already have an audience base. Let's just throw together some crappy movie and people are going to go see it because it's Jurassic Park or it's (laughs) Star Wars or like whatever, you know, not to, you know, crap on those movies, but like this one, like Gabe said, is just, it's so good by itself that it almost didn't really need the originals to set it up for it to be good. You know, just the fact that it's tied to those makes it even better. So yeah, totally. Um, you want to talk about the budget? Oh, yes. Budget? Uh, let me see. I had it here. Gabe is unprepared as usual. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I, I feel that on a spiritual level, Gabe. That's me every day. So <laughs> I don't even I don't even know what the script is until I show up. And it's great. <laughs> sure. mm-hmm. but I think it was about 75 million and it's already pulling in strong gross. It started at 44 and I think it's it's carrying through the weekend well into the holiday. Oh, yeah. So we're expecting a strong performance. <laughs> <laughs> I've been telling everyone I can about it. I'm like, you, this is amazing. This is an amazing movie and totally worth yeah. your time. I am so surprised that you guys loved it so much. I was so nervous because, you know, Stephen reached out to me, what, I don't know, three weeks ago. Let's collab. And I'm like, oh, what movie? <laughs> what movie are we going to do? Make it easy. And when he said Ghostbuster, I was like, oh, that's perfect. That's easy. But then mm-hmm. I was, I listened to more and more of y'all's podcasts, and they're just I, so diving deep, deep, deep. I'm like, hang on. Let me go put my boots on. It's getting deep in here. But I, I love it. I love it. So I was thinking, God, how are they, after listening to your Midsummer and the light. <laughs> house i was like there's Uh-oh. no way they're gonna love ghostbusters as much as i know i'm gonna love but you well, did i'm glad you say that because i was i was myself shocked at how much i enjoyed this movie i'm usually very critical Same. of what would otherwise be a kind of shameless uh unearthing of a an, an historic ip because they're so they're so frequently a misfire yeah right i mean just looking back to the ghostbusters from 2016 yeah, yeah exactly. so but sitting through this movie it was almost like right off the bat that i knew this was something special super special because i so for myself yeah i i would typically be very critical and hesitant to but but this this was great i was very i have a a lot to say but i pretty much feel the exact same way as him I did not expect to like this because 
Although I have seen the original Ghostbusters multiple times. I used to watch it, you know, it would air on broadcast television when I was younger. Mm. I didn't feel attached to the IP as much as a lot of other people have. And so I didn't expect to really enjoy it uh, as much as I did. I expected it to be good because I did hear before going in to see it that the critics thought it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, oh, maybe it'll be good. But I didn't expect to laugh the whole time. I didn't expect to feel anything. <laughs> Uh, at the end of the film emotionally that I did because it it balanced emotion, sad emotion, happy emotion, but also jokes and being able to identify the quality of the characters and have those characters bring sort of like I was talking about earlier, their level of comedic timing or quality of acting and their unique character perspective mirrors so much the original Ghostbusters so that as you're watching it, you know, you can balance the sort of happy, sad medium that I feel like the original does so well, which is something I was really worried about. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how are they going to capture that magic mm-hmm. of being able to have this really intense thing? Like the world's going to end. We have this massive monster or ghost and then have, you know, a Bill Murray joke at the same time. That's yeah. really hard to do yeah. and really hard to recapture. And I think they did it really well here. I was yeah. honestly shocked, but you know, by about after the first act, I was, I think I have not laughed this hard in a movie in is that Walmart maybe, maybe four to five years. I was like laughing hysterically. Aww. There was one joke. Steven and I saw it together, yeah. you guys. And there was a joke halfway through the movie where <laughs> it's not even a good joke. It's not what even is a good it? one. The, the daughter, she has the proton pack and she's testing it out in the field oh, with no. podcast. They hear the ghosts like screaming in the background and podcast goes, I think it's a pigeon. It's like a pigeon or something. <laughs> and I, I just started dying. I'm like, that was the furthest noise from a pigeon what? noise. He laughed for three minutes. Oh the, luckily, the theater was mostly empty because we saw a super early show. True. Because we were dying. We kept going, oh, looking back yeah. and forth. Oh, I kept looking at Gabe going, can you believe it's this good? I can't believe it's this good. But oh I'm gonna. God. can I rant for like a quick... A quick minute. Do it. Oh, yes. yes. I love it. Get on your soapbox. I'll soapbox. I'll try to go as quick as possible, but (laughs) I took three pages in notes. But anyway, from the start, like, I loved the small town setting of, like, the Midwestern rural America. Oklahoma. Oklahoma, baby. Yeah. Did you guys feel a, a special connection because it okay. took place in Oklahoma? Let me, no. <laughs> no, no. Let no. me tell you, it is That's such a bad. flat. I mean, it is so flat here. I'm like, okay, seriously. We have no <laughs> mountain. No. We have hills. We have we little have hills. hills. Yeah. But yeah. The that, whole mining operation, that that's yeah. not Oklahoma thing yeah. at all. No. So, no. Yeah, I, I know. I saw that mountain from almost the start and I was like, oh, fake mountain. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I could almost tell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like 100%. Yeah, that, 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 that is not Oklahoma. Yeah. You didn't feel any like, uh, oh, like, oh, that's sweet that they tried. <laughs> they kept mentioning Oklahoma like yeah. throughout the movie and it never clicked with me until the very end. Like, oh, that took place in Oklahoma. Well, and I told Mitchum, I noticed when they went to get him out of the jail that there was an Oklahoma flag in the corner. It was the wrong colors, but it was our flag. And that's when it hit me. I'm like, oh my gosh, they really are in Oklahoma. But no, it was so different. I just kept thinking it was like rural Kansas. Yeah, no, but it was cool though. It it was cool. So, and then we do not have a town called Somerville. No. (laughs) Okay. Continue, Steven. That setting 
was very quaint and I loved it. It felt a lot to me like Richard Donner's Goonies or, you know, Spielberg's Close Encounters. And it felt like a like a movie that could have been from the heyday of like Spielberg, which I love because I I love, love, love classic Spielberg. Like E.T. is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. 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 Same. But the thing that he did so well, I think here, Jason Reitman in this movie in Ghostbusters Afterlife was he recaptured the comedic timing. And with Harold Ramis, who I feel like was sort of the heart of the original film, and you had like these two strong comedians, Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray, and then you had Harold Ramis, he kind of is the heart. It was really smart to put Harold Ramis's, you know, offspring, his family to be the heart and the center of this oh, new yeah. Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. I thought that that was just such a brilliant move. And so Reitman did a great job, and he really, I feel like, understands what made the 80s adventure films like so great. Yes. You know, I don't think anyone else could have done this movie as well as him. And then it has, you know, we get to the cast. Like, the cast is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cast of adults with, you know, great, well rounded characters that charm the pants off of you the entire time. Paul Rudd. Paul you Rudd. just described Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd was so interesting because he essentially played the Rick Moranis character in this movie. Yeah. Yes. Gabe and I sort of had the same worry that they would focus too much on Finn Wolfhard's character or McKenna Grace's character, for that matter, or even Paul Rudd. But each of the characters were so well-balanced. You never got too much of them, mm-hmm. and you never got too little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they really fleshed out every single character that they introduced in this movie, which also speaks to the direction of the movie. Mm-hmm. They're never overused or undercooked. It just feels right. The whole time I was watching this movie, I felt like Goldilocks, you know, <laughs> like with this movie. Like, I came out going, wow, that wasn't too big or too small. It was just right. And like, oh. like I couldn't say... <laughs> I couldn't feel like a different way about it. I just felt like it hit everything that it needed to hit to make it a good, good, good movie. And I just can't say enough about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of my soapbox. Okay. Well, and you, Jason has already said he's well, he wants to do another one. Yeah, I can see so, it. Sure. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I read that yesterday. So. Yes. 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 He's already I said totally he'd, think... he'd do another one. Yeah. There's no way that they could do it without him. I mean, yeah. Imagine. Oh, yeah. no way. After this one. Well, that yeah. ending, I am being such a fan of seeing the first one multiple times in the theater. It was just, I was overwhelmed with nostalgia. Yes. I mean, yeah. I. I I was in tears. It was so yeah. beautifully done. Yeah. And I attribute mm-hmm. a lot of that to Mr. Bill Murray. I mean, he mm-hmm. j- you know, and they say he ad-libs a lot of it and I just think he just has that like you said, you know, he has that comedic timing and it just it was perfect. And then 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 the part where Dan Aykroyd went up to podcast and he's like you know, yeah, because you're oh, my yeah. only <laughs> subscriber. And Dan's like, oh, yeah, you know, that was That was perfect. great, yeah. Yeah, loved it. That one hit a little close to home. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all of podcast scenes hit yeah. a little close to home. I think that's yeah. why I enjoyed them so much. So. And I think going back yeah. on the nostalgia, I really enjoyed how he, the CGI for the ghosts oh, yeah. and the storm and the um, the gun that they used was literally straight from the 1980s movie. Yeah. It looked like they mm. didn't update it at all. Right. Like they used the same creatures or mold or whatever for the the gatekeeper and the like I loved that and I thought that was mm-hmm. such a nice touch. Yeah. Like it didn't feel like, you know, it it just looked the same as the one in the 80s, but it almost mm-hmm. looked like they didn't change it at all. Yeah. And that really I think added to the nostalgia. Like it was like they were using the same props 
from like 30 yeah. years yeah. ago. The proton packs. Yeah, the proton the packs and the traps yeah. and everything. And just like the the storm clouds yeah, and like the lightning that yeah. she used and stuff like that. Yeah, I just, yeah. I love that. And that really added a different flavor or like mm-hmm. it just add that extra step. Yeah. So. Loved mm-hmm. it, loved it. Yeah, it was the the perfect amount of like CGI with practical effects because you had the demon dogs from like the first film. Yeah. As well, mm-hmm. and it look it looks so good and it holds up completely well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we just have to get say a smidge about the little <laughs> the little marshmallow man. Oh my god, <laughs> oh. guys! I just lost it, and they were yes. blending each other and burning <laughs> each other. Yeah, that, like, was, what? that was such a nice and homage the to the first one. It was so Hilarious. adorable. And Paul, uh, that was my <laughs> favorite scene. It was just so amazing. I just loved it. When the ones walking out on the grill, I was dying oh, and yeah. melting. Like, I think I'm 99% sure right, when he was dying, he put his thumbs up in <laughs> homage <did>. to Terminator. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that really? happened. Oh. I don't know if that's Easter egg or not, but I think I saw it and I was yeah. like, that's that's clever. Yeah. I like that. Oh, yeah. I loved it. That, that was an incredible sequence. Yeah. Yeah. It, it. I mean, it didn't really do anything for the movie, but it was just, it was yeah. so, it was so perfect <laughs> that they just, we're able to just throw that in well needless to say our take is go see it it's absolutely amazing i just wanted to say real quick before we pivot into the rewind which i'm very excited for i just wanted to heap some praise on mckenna grace who was (gasps) phoebe in ghostbusters afterlife because she is becoming and i know you guys don't do a whole lot of horror but it is that genre has become my obsession in the last few years we don't do horror (laughs) Continue. But I, I'm glad because Ghostbusters it picked uh, from a lot of young talent. Like you got Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things, mm-hmm. um, but McKenna Grace has been. She's only like 15 or 16, and she has a massive amount of credits. And many of those are iconic horror franchises. Really? Uh, just yeah. this last year, she did Malignant, and I'm so excited to see what she does moving forward because she's an incredible yeah. child actress, and you don't get a lot of young actors of that quality that can really move that momentum into adulthood. So well, very excited to I see I was walking the out of the theater and I stopped dead in my track. Of course, I missed that last post, you know, but, and that song came on. So I whipped out and did Shazam oh, yeah. and it was yeah. McKenna Grace. Yeah, so I, yeah. you know, so I, but I still didn't put two and two together and I came home and on, and it was one song. She has one song out and it's that song. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I didn't recognize her voice, but that's uh, that's awesome. Yeah. She's very talented. Yes, very talented. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do you guys want to do uh, let's the other do thing? Rewind. Yes. Do you mind if I introduce it? I would love that. Go ahead. So uh, today we're going to rewind Mitchum and I's favorite movie from 2019. It's called The Vast of Night. It's from 2019, PG-13, one hour and 31 minutes long. It is available on Amazon Prime. Um, budget was uh, self-budgeted for $700,000. And the director, Andrew Patterson, we are extremely proud to say that he is from Oklahoma. He is born and bred Oklahoma. Um, and we met him down in a film festival and 
Austin and they found out we were from Oklahoma, probably because we had T-shirts that said the vast of night that I had specially made. <laughs> I had specially made. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I know his wife because we're from the same town. So uh, it, It's funny. It was actually a, a horror film festival. Uh, it was. It was a horror. It was a horror film <laughs> but, festival. But the only, wow. film, I, the only film we went to go see was Vast of Night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about the vast of night. I'm curious to hear your opinion. Uh, Mitch and I have talked about it enough on our show, so our listeners know that we love it and why. So, um, but I would love for you all to take over and hear you talk about it. We both just watched it in the last 24 hours because, I mean, I I would have watched it earlier, but I have been busy with two young children. But I, I loved it. I immediately recognized uh, its extreme quality and genius. I, I texted Gabe and I said, this is a low-key masterpiece because uh. it that's what it is. And it reminded me a lot of a movie from my hometown in San Clemente called Brick, which was Ryan Johnson's first movie. And Gordon Levitt is... Yeah, yeah, ju- yeah just Gordon Levitt. I looked it up. I'm going to watch that. Look for me in it. I'm, I'm an <gasps> uh, extra what? in that movie. <laughs> It was filmed at my high school, so it was um, a right place, right time kind of thing. And yeah, but anyway. Oh, that's cool. Okay. The thing about Brick that was so interesting was it's very script driven. Yes. And dialogue driven. And it is clearly intelligent because of the way that it's written and the way that the the characters are speaking and sort of naturally pontificating all of this jargon all the time. And so this movie had that exact same quality where the dialogue and how the characters, I think it's focusing sort of on two main characters from the beginning Mm -hmm. and how they're interacting and saying their lines back and forth and how quickly it feels natural and it is natural, but it's almost in a way sort of supernatural that they're able to speak that fast, almost like in a uh, Sorkin, like Aaron Sorkin's scripts. It reminded me a lot of how that very intelligent fast speak back and forth between the characters but it's that added with sort of the brilliance of the look and style of the movie that made it so fascinating and why i was calling it a low-key masterpiece because the way that it was shot the camera movement the way that this is a kind of weird thing to talk about but the way that it was colored because it was colored and it had a color grade to it that was extremely fascinating so the color palette and sort of the muted tones and mm-hmm. it had a grain over the whole thing to make it look like film. And this movie knew what it was doing. It had such an identity from the outset. It started and kind of with the notion that it is a uh, Twilight Zone episode. Yes. Or, or it, yes. it wasn't It wasn't exactly called that. Yeah. And then you, you sort of geniusly pointed out, Allie, that the WOTW yes. was an homage to War of the Worlds. The radio station, yeah, yeah, oh. radio show. Mitch, um, did I knew you that. not know that? Yeah, I think I did, but World it just World. clicked. Well, and the name of the movie came from um, a Shakespeare, The Temptus. The Temptus. Oh, the, the name. If you read a yeah. little blurb in there, it says "The Vast of Night," and that's where the mm. movie, the name of the movie, came from. Was mm. a Shakespeare piece. So yeah. So. 
Yeah. That's what I think makes, you know, these masterpieces very, very good films so brilliant is that they have this identity and then it clearly knows what it's doing. And you know, just as an audience member, as a viewer of the film, that it's reaching into something and it has these deep roots into things that might be, you know, above your... I don't know, intelligence level. Like I I felt, I felt for me that I'm like, wow, this is, this is deep. There's something more going on beneath the surface. Mm -hmm. It's like the person that is in charge of making this movie, who is uh, Andrew, as you guys were saying, clearly seems like an intelligent person. And it's screaming at you from just watching the movie without actually even knowing how deep those roots are, Mm -hmm. where the intelligence actually lies. Yeah. But I will preface that, uh-huh. you know, I've found it's kind of hard to suggest the movie to it's a lot of... It's not for everyone. It's not. And I mm. knew, I knew you guys would love it because you're in that industry. I knew you would. But to the, like, for instance, to the girls I work with or the people that, you know, call me and say, what movie should I go see? I'm, you know, sees maybe one movie every three months it's not mm-hmm. for them. I tried it and I'm like, what'd you think of it? Well, they couldn't get through the first 15 minutes. It's very character mm. driven and just, bleep, you know, all that conversation in the beginning between Faye and Everett. And, well, you know, it's a, who, it's a, it just, it's a slow burn. It is. And a so, slow and burn. it's a movie that leaves you thinking about it two weeks down the road, you know, because it leaves it so open-ended and the ending yeah. is set the, you know, the way it is. And, you just kind of like leave the theater and at first it doesn't really hit you but then you know like two weeks later when you're eating dinner in the shower just like you just think about it like just constantly for the rest you know and it's just one of those movies that just stays with you yeah and what what movie have you seen where the theater where it just goes black and you're you're listening to a story Mm -hmm. and you're looking you're in this theater i mean we've seen it in the drive-in we've seen it in multiple theaters and that it goes black and it forces you to listen to this man's story you know i mean that's unprecedented you know and i even you know why do you do that why do you do that I, i went to you know and i'm like well he did it you know so you listen to the story so it's it's really unprecedented in many ways in many ways and that my favorite scene to this day i watched it last night is re-watched it is that scene where you know little faye gets up and she smokes a cigarette and you go through the town and then you go to the basketball game and then you and the music playing during that scene you know it uh it's just uh, it's unreal. Yeah. It's it's so good. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. And then the I ending gets me every time. That ending, the car yeah. ride with the two driving from that moment on, I'm just I've got goosebumps. It it just it uh, it's amazing. We love it so mm-hmm. much and I'm so happy you all liked it too. I could gush about it for hours. Yes. Really? Um, sorry. Oh, what was and your I, favorite part? I'll keep it brief just for the sake of our time. But I, I actually knew about this film. I hadn't watched it, but I knew about it since it dropped two years ago because it made waves in mm. a lot of the online film communities. Yes. And pe- people were talking. People were like, you got to see this because it reminded me after having watched it and while watching it of a lot of classic low-budget sci-fi, which I have a very soft spot in my heart for. Films like Gareth Edwards' Monsters, Mm. Shane Carruth's Primer, uh, Coherence, or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I... I got that vibe immediately, and I'm I'm a sucker too. I grew up on Twilight Zone and Outer Limits. Yeah. Yeah. So it immediately pulled me in. 
I was unsure what it was trying to do in the first like 15 minutes because it's just it the way it is written it is so driven by dialogue like you said and as soon as we hit the switchboard scene 20 minutes in with Faye uh, Sierra McCormick's character yeah and it's just an uncut nine or ten minute take yeah. it is it yeah. is instantly like oh this is a masterpiece yeah and it is such a blend which is so rare for a feature debut of genuine inspiration and technical proficiency he completely nailed the visual feel of the film yeah the sound design was amazing and that's a huge part of it not just because of the focus on like radio drama but also just it is a, a huge plot point is the the immersion which we love sound design because we're huge david lynch fans yeah i love sound. And so that was immediately like a huge hook for me and other stuff like uh, getting authentic performances out of his actors, both Jake Horowitz and Sierra McCormick mm. had to know respectively what they're doing with tape recorders and winding tape and all that stuff. Yeah. And yeah. then Sierra McCormick had to learn the switchboard. And yeah. Andrew was talking about how they spent so much time comparative to their shooting schedule, yeah. like getting the feel for that and also their chemistry with each other and how it was just yeah. kind of like one of those lightning in a bottle Mm-hmm. Uh, productions that really just came together, and so I those just that's like a, a lightning list of points for me. Things yeah. that really it was amazing to see from such a small production. Yeah, I should also say that I, I'm already a sucker for for alien stuff or like any sort of extraterrestrial. I'm a huge X Files fan. And I yeah. love sci-fi. <laughs> But then I'm also a sucker for brilliant filmmaking. Yeah. So this movie checked all of my boxes, oh, and I'm definitely going to watch it again. It's a and rewatch. Become, I'm going to become a Vassive Knight apologist for sure, and, oh, and Andrew, Andrew Patterson apologist, because he's got a massive career ahead of him, like yes. huge, huge yes. career. Well, I am so happy you guys watched it. I knew you'd love it. And keep Andrew on your radar. We are. We're, we're super proud of him um, for representing our state so well. I, this has been absolutely fantastic. We talked about a new movie, Ghostbusters Afterlife, yet we all four agree we loved it. I am so, so happy you two loved it. I really just yeah. was so <laughs> nervous. So, I want to see it again. And then I'm just thank you for rewinding with us. Um, oh, of course. For the vast of night, and I believe it'll be on Amazon Prime for a couple more years. It wouldn't even have been on our radar if it wasn't for you. So thank you yeah. very much. Good. And I'm, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Today. Yeah. Oh, loved it. Yeah, loved we'll have to do so this again much. sometime. This was, yeah. This was, yeah, we will, definitely. I, this has been so fun. I, yeah. I, I, I'm i so stoked we got to do this. Yeah. Thank you so much for being a part of yes, this. Yes, thank, oh, thank you. Thank you all so much.